When I was a student at BYU, I had one unbreakable rule for myself. I had to take one sport, fitness, or dance class every semester, no exceptions. I sashayed my way through social folk, Irish, and jazz dance. I hit shuttlecocks over badminton nets, and I consistently finished dead last in every single racquetball match for a whole semester. The classes kept me active, gave me an excuse to try new things, plus they were just really fun. My tennis class was even indirectly responsible for introducing me to my husband. The racket I brought to biology class gave him an effortless opening line. So, you play tennis? Fast forward 20-some years, and not only does BYU still offer dozens of fun sports and fitness classes, it's created a whole department dedicated to student wellness. As a student wellness department, our main goal for all of our students is to have every student living a healthy and active lifestyle. Welcome to the Y Magazine podcast, bringing you ideas, stories, and voices from Brigham Young University. I'm Whitney Archibald, and today we're going to explore student wellness at BYU, better known by its delightful nickname, Swell. This episode is based on the article All is Swell from the summer 2023 issue of Y Magazine by Miriam Brantley Merrill. We'll talk to three of the instructors who teach meditation, functional fitness, weightlifting, and gymnastics, among other classes. They'll teach us a few things about how to be healthy and keep our bodies moving, even those of us who haven't been students for a while. After all, the official mission of SWELL is to teach students skills and lifelong behaviors to promote lasting health and wellness. That was Emily Andrews, a SWELL course and extramural coordinator, whom you also heard in the intro. Back when she and I were BYU students in the late 90s, early 2000s, sport and fitness classes fell under the exercise science department. But in 2016, the Student Wellness Department began, and by 2019, wellness classes were officially designated as swell classes in the course catalog. Whatever they're called in the catalog, the classes are as fun as ever, but with new additions like pickleball and bar. Probably the best things about these classes are that they're mostly entry-level. There's even a class called Swimming for Non-Swimmers. So students can truly try a sport or activity that is completely new to them with no pressure, not even a grade. All the classes are pass-fail. What I like most about this is that it's a chance for students to try new things and get out of their comfort zones. They can take fitness classes from aqua fitness to Zumba or try their hand at sports like basketball, martial arts, rock climbing, or skiing. That's just scratching the surface of the 40 or so classes that are regularly offered. If you'll recall, though, the objectives of SWELL go beyond current students to lifelong fitness. Emily Andrews recognized the importance of this after she graduated from BYU herself. As a high school student and even in college, I was very much about team-based activities, right? I, I participated in intramurals, and I played basketball, and I played all flag football or whatever I could, but it was always in a team. And now as an adult, um, outside of college, where it's a little bit harder to get that group of girls together to play those sports, I've had to kind of branch out and say, okay, well, what can I do in a small group? Or what can I do on my own? And I have found some of those, but it took me a while to find what I enjoyed that I could do in small groups or by myself, right? Yeah. And so I, I feel like there was a time in my life where my wellness might have suffered because everything changed, right? Yeah. You, you get to graduation, you move on, you get a job, you, life changes, your, your schedule changes. 
and you have all sorts of excuses to say, well, I, I can't do my wellness right now. And, and so putting your wellness first is a big deal, right? And if we can learn it earlier, I think we'll have the energy to be the disciples of Christ that we want to be. Um, yeah, that part about excuses hit home. And I love the reminder that prioritizing wellness isn't selfish. It allows us to be better disciples. Talking to Emily Andrews and the instructors you're about to meet got me thinking. When was the last time I tried a new physical activity and got out of my own comfort zone? When was the last time for you? Let's jog down the stairs to the Richards Building to get some suggestions and advice from SWELL instructors Maria Jensen, Spencer Budd, and Kimberly Lindstrom. First, let's head to the weight room with Kimberly Lindstrom, who teaches weight training and functional fitness. I'll be honest, I had no clue what functional fitness was until I talked to Kimberly. So I asked her. It's being able to be strong to be useful for one. So like okay. if someone needs to move a couch, you could understand how to organize your your body and able to lift something. So that's one aspect of it. But being functional is just being able to do activities of daily living, yeah. you know, without pain. Being able to move, being able to shovel your driveway, play with your grandkids, whatnot, that is functional fitness. You're able to do life's activities and life's demands. Okay, so how do you teach that? Um, that's a good question. The first thing is teaching people how to actually move their body. For example, how to move about their hip joints rather than their spine, because the tendency for people is to round at their back rather than moving about their hips. If you could do that, then you can pick up something heavy off the floor. You can pick up a child. You can move a couch, for example, safely and well. So that's one thing that I teach. But other aspects of functional fitness is just you're more functional if you sleep more, if you're hydrated, if you eat good food, and you move a lot, and you move well. All those things are going to play into functional fitness. So if I showed up at your class, what kind of activities could I expect to do on any given day? Students come into this class with various expectations. Right. Like some come in expecting to you know, work out super duper hard and be super hot and sweaty. Other people expect to stretch. So I have to play to all of those levels. So some days will be days where we do like kettlebell swings and kettlebell deadlifts. So we do more of maybe circuit style type of workout. Other days we focus more on mobility. We'll have like lacrosse balls and foam rollers. And I teach the students how to utilize those implements to be able to make themselves feel better, essentially get their tissues to release tension and to feel less stiff, essentially. So it kind of depends on the day that you walked in, what you're going to yeah. get. And so I try to give them some tools in their toolbox for when they are getting a lot older that they can feel better and move better still. So that's the thing students don't have a lot of time is that long-term view. They think, oh, I feel great right now. You know, I'm not going to need this. I'm never going to be 50 years old kind of thing. Right. But getting them to take the long view, like, oh, this will become an issue if I don't address it. Well, I just keep thinking, where have you been all my life? Like, I could use, <laughs> I could I'm use here, that class right now. <laughs> yeah. I keep injuring myself in ridiculous ways now that I'm older, like roller skating with my daughter or mm -hmm. volunteering for the jump rope thing at the school. I injure myself. So, yeah. so I, I could have used that foundation when I was a BYU student. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's what I try and teach in those classes. So then when they are, you know, moms and dads, they can 
you know, they can go on the crazy field trips with their kids and jump rope for 30 minutes or an hour, jump rope for heart all day long, you know? that's, (laughs) That's what functionality is, is being able to do those daily activities and not feel like you're beat to death afterwards. Awesome. So what are some activities or skills that we can learn at home that could help us be more functional? The first thing I would suggest to people is learn how to move about your hips. Um, Like I was talking about, Uh it's the hip hinge. So if you YouTube hip hinge, how to hip hinge, if people can master that, so much people's back pain would go away. The other thing is honestly just start to move more. Adopt practices to sit on the floor more. You know, eat a snack on the floor. Watch TV on the floor by doing that. You're going to be opening up your hips more. You're going to be fidgeting more, which is more movement. And, you know, it's just a really easy way to integrate that into your everyday. So it doesn't have to be like, oh, I have to do my movement practice. No, you just, you're doing it while you're doing something else. I don't think I've ever heard that advice to sit on the floor more. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... I'm a weirdo. I eat on the floor. Like I bring my plate, you know, we have dinner and for, on the floor and breakfast and lunch. And I don't watch TV on the couch or movies. I'm always laying down on the floor. And, and when you do that, then guess what? You notice your foam rollers right there and then you can use your foam roller and, you know, kill two birds with one stone. So you can do, you know, mobility work and watch your favorite TV show. So just an easy way to integrate it into your daily life. That is so interesting. It's those habits that, are ultimately gonna gonna dictate kind of where you're gonna go. Yeah, you know. So if you don't have that habit set, you're not gonna do it. So and just try and walk more as well. Eight thousand steps a day should be people's minimum. Would be really really helpful for their overall health and functionality. Another class Kimberly teaches is weightlifting, which is actually one of the most popular swell classes each semester. One of her main goals with this class is just helping students become more confident in the gym. It can be a very intimidating place, especially if you don't understand how to use the equipment. That can be really scary because then, you know, you're afraid people are going to be watching you and looking at you and stuff. So, Well, not only scary from an intimidation standpoint, but scary from like you can get really hurt if you don't know what you're doing. Yes, you can. And people do because they don't know what they're doing. So, yeah. You know, I teach all the major lifts, you know, how to back squat, how to front squat, how to overhead press, how to bench press. You know, once they understand how to do that, they start to shine. So they're, they're a lot more empowered. They have a lot more tools in their toolbox to be able to fix their problems that they are inevitably going to have. Everyone's going to have some sort of movement fault. But now they understand how and why we want to fix those things. So I would say they definitely gain a lot more confidence and just a lot more comfortable and they have fun too. Yeah. Cause it's a lot, it's a lot more fun when you kind of know what you're doing and you don't feel like everyone's watching you all the time. So, well, and I, I think that's something that we can't overlook. Like one of the main reasons for the whole swell program is to have some fun too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, people people create, you know, a lot of friendships from that class. Like, I'll still see students from a couple years back and, oh, hey, Coach Kim, you know, so I've, I've still maintained a lot of good friendships. But then, you know, they become friends, which is awesome. And then they're gym buddies for the rest of the semester or the rest of their school year. And that's really awesome to be able to create that environment so that they can do that. Oh, that's great. Um, this one I know is a little harder because it requires more equipment, but do you have a challenge you would give or a suggestion for some of the listeners who may be starting out at a gym or something? 
These are my favorite resources prior to going to the gym. Perfect. Um, the first one would be, it's called Squat University. And this is where I get like all my joint assessments and how to fix technique and how to fix, you know, knee pain or hip pain. It has all of those resources in quick five, 10 minute videos. So if you're brand new to the gym and you don't know if you're moving well or how to do a basic bodyweight squat, I would check out that YouTube channel. Um, hands down, one of my most favorite resources ever. So I would do a little bit of homework, learn about some basic technique, like how to breathe and brace, for example, for when you're lifting, how to bodyweight squat, how to use your feet when you're you know, lifting, and that will set a, a really good foundation. That's great. If I can give one more recommendation. Yes, please do. All right. It's a book. It's called Built to Move. It's by a guy named Kelly Starrett and his wife, Juliet Starrett. It's just movement vital signs. Um, For example, you know, we have blood pressure vital signs. You have an eye chart so you can know if you have good vision or bad vision and good blood pressure or bad blood pressure. But we don't really have that for movement. And so this kind of gives you an idea of where you're at on the movement spectrum and gives you ways to really improve your overall movement so you can do the things that you want to do and not be in pain and, you know, not feel crummy all day long. That's another homework assignment for, I guess. Now let's flip topics and talk gymnastics. We're going to talk to Spencer Budd, who's been teaching gymnastics at BYU for 17 years. I actually got a bonus guest here, his adorable and very patient four-month-old granddaughter who sat cheerfully on his knee the whole time. First of all, I bet you attract a wide range of abilities and skill levels. That is true. I I get a few students every semester who have never done gymnastics before, and this is their first experience. And then uh, I get some that are former competitive gymnasts that just really just want to be in the gym again. And and everything in between. I hear all the time students say, I always wanted to do gymnastics as a kid, but we didn't live close enough to a gym or my parents couldn't afford it. It it is an expensive sport to do. And so to give them that opportunity to to do something that that interests them, uh, but also give them a a break from the the rigors of the academic world, I I think it's awesome. Yeah. And do you find that, that most of them see a big change by the end of the semester? For the students who've never done it before, you know, I'll often have students come back and say, I'm so excited about this. I've always wanted to be able to do this, and now I can do this, you know. And so that's exciting. But that's, that's why I keep teaching. I really enjoy watching people do something and have that aha moment or that moment where they just, look, I did this, and they can, they can get so excited. So it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I'm i just thinking to myself, we just got a trampoline, and my kids are learning all these skills. And uh Maybe I should start to figure some of those out, too. It's not too late, right? (laughs) That's the other thing. At least for beginning gymnastics, I believe anybody can do it. Okay, so what homework assignment would you give people if they wanted to venture into the world of gymnastics? Gymnastics is a, a sport that uses the body and gravity, basically. There's no weights involved. And, and yeah, we use you know, specific gymnastics equipment, but it's very similar to calisthenics in that all you really need is a little space in your body to be able to exercise. Yeah. And so it's really a matter of making that commitment to, to do something with your body. And so 
anyone can do that, you know, if, if you, and, and you don't need to go spend money. You don't need to buy fancy equipment because everybody's got a body and everybody can take advantage of gravity. <laughs> but, but the key to becoming more flexible is consistency. You've got to stretch regularly. And so it's that consistency of doing it ideally every day because stretching, it's not like lifting weights or something that you need time to recuperate from. Stretching can be done every day. Yeah. I don't think we always think about the importance of stretching. How does that help us? So it is definitely an underutilized aspect of physical fitness in all sports. Uh, I, I see it, saw that with my kids in sports. The advantage to being flexible is it decreases the likelihood of major injury. Because if you're flexible and, and you, you know, land on your feet wrong, the feet bends instead of straining or breaking. Overall, flexibility helps with that and also with mobility. And, and I think mobility is a big part of, of being fit. Yeah, for sure. And, and what happens when, when the muscles get tight in one area, it affects the opposite muscles. So if your hamstrings are tight, your other muscles are, are working harder and you might be overusing them because when, when you're really tight, those muscles aren't functioning properly. Yeah. Well, I feel like you're giving students such a gift. Yeah. I, I think where I see the impact the most is when I get a student who, who a gymnastics coach would say, you should go find another sport. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that that really, you know, as a child, just didn't really use their body and don't understand how to use their body. And, and to see them progress and, and learn, I, I think, is is very rewarding as a, as an instructor. Because it, it's like a whole new world opens up to them that they they didn't realize was there. And, and they can get so excited about it. But I had a student who managed to get into my class as a freshman, uh-huh. my classes are always really full. 99% of the time I have seniors and graduate students. Oh, really? Okay. Because yeah, they get a register first. Yeah. <laughs> but this student managed to get in, and she was not as coordinated as, as many. Uh-huh. But she stuck with my class. I think she had my class 10 times. She wow. came back as a master's student and kept taking my class. And, you know, she never did high-level gymnastics. She didn't even get to some of the intermediate skills that I teach. But I watched her progress and work every semester and just see that little bit of improvement. And, and that's the way life is. We all come, come to life with a different skill set yeah, uh, and, and different challenges. And the important thing is we just continue to progress. And, and, I, and I've had several students like that, just none that have taken my class over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. The last instructor we're going to meet is Maria Jensen. On any given day, you can see her helping her students tweak their yoga poses, guiding a meditation, spotting students at a bench press, or leading a run up the hill behind the Smith Field House. With all those different classes, I wondered, have you had experiences with students who were nervous or hesitant about some of the content you were teaching? Every semester. (laughs) Every semester, many of them are unsure. They're unsure at the beginning, and then they're amazed by the end. I had a student one time in my functional fitness class, and we do assessments at the beginning of the term and then also at the end, and one of them is a push-up assessment where they have to see how many push-ups they can do. And this particular student could do 
three push-ups barely. And at the end of the semester, she could do 25. And she was so amazed that that happened. And so I was able to say, you know, I told you if you show up, it'll happen. Because I structure the classes for progression. And all you have to do is show up. And that is such an important principle in wellness. Like, most of us know basic principles of wellness, but we don't always show up for ourselves. We don't always do it. Most of us know how to eat good food, you know, but do we always do it? No. (laughs) So the principle is show up, do it, put the work in and, and you'll progress. You'll see things happen. So... Oh, that's so great. So how how do you define wellness? Sometimes people think of wellness as the absence of illness. Mm. And I'm clear to point out that that's not wellness. Um, Sure, we want the absence of illness and we hope for the absence of disease, but we can't always control that. Sometimes our bodies are just built in a way that we have things with us for a long time or we we catch illnesses along the way. And yet I still believe we can be well. We can still thrive in these circumstances. We can still find ways to work our physical body, to keep our intellect uh, aware and active, to work on our emotional health, to be able to keep our emotions in check. We know what they are. We know how to handle strong emotions when they come up. And we find happiness doing those things. And I think a true wellness incorporates all of that, the the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual. I love Maria's holistic approach here. This is especially evident in her meditation class. BYU tends to attract a certain type of student who are very goal-oriented. They want objective ways to measure everything, and they want empirical data. (laughs) And in meditation, we throw that out the window. (laughs) I, I tell them the first thing you have to do is learn how to shut off your prefrontal cortex (laughs) So that we can access the other part of your brain to help the monkey mind calm down, to learn what to do with intrusive thoughts and intrusive feelings, because the body will respond to the mind. And the mind will respond to the body. And we find this loop that we're trying to disrupt and to enter into. And so the objectives are learning how to sit with emotions and thoughts and feelings, know what to do with them when they arise, because they will. That's the way our brains work. And then being able to return to a point of relaxation over and over and over again. I asked Maria for any advice she has for people who want to start meditating on our own at home. Here's some homework she suggested for us. Most people start with an app. (laughs) There are lots of apps out there, and YouTube is a tremendous resource. And so you have to find something that resonates with you. You, Do you like the sit still and 
find that focal point in your mind. Do you like the OM? And repeating the OM over and over again. Is it simply a mindfulness practice for you where you want to be more aware and take an awareness and a broader view of just your daily activities? So if you find an app that resonates with you, you can walk through some of the guided meditations that they might have for you. Start small. Always start Mm -hmm. small. It's unlikely that you will be happy with a 60-minute meditation the first time you practice meditation. Yeah. It's just a long time. But start with two minutes of breathing, right? Start with a 10-minute guided meditation where they take you through a visualization of perhaps your goals for the day. Or they take you through a gratitude practice and you make a list of the things that you're grateful for and focus on each one of those things. So many ways to start. Don't, right. don't go for the whole huge thing because it's overwhelming. You'll probably get lost and you'll quit. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah, that's great advice. Another one of Maria's favorite classes to teach is running. She's been running herself since she was a teenager, and she regularly runs marathons. Running is one of those classes where we see big transformations as well. One of those classes where they've never run a mile before, and suddenly they're like, oh my goodness, I improved my time. Really fun to watch students begin to enjoy running, because oftentimes running is seen as a punishment, (laughs) <laughs> right? Right. right. You're late. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Running is a punishment for so many people. Um, and I have students at the beginning of the semester when I ask, why did you take this class? I hate running. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh dear. Okay. <laughs> but I want to try to like it. And I'm like, okay, well, we can work with that. We can work with it. Um, and it's fun to see people fall in love with it, to, to understand that there are ways to make exercise easier. There are ways to make it more effective, and it can change how you feel. You can walk up the steps to the RB and not huff and puff. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> we all die on the stairs. <laughs> so what advice do you have for listeners who, who might also be intimidated about running, but know that it would be good for them. Right? And that's what people say. I've heard that it's good for me. Uh (laughs) This is good for me. I should do it. Um, Running in particular, I would say get some good shoes. It will be the most helpful piece of equipment that you have. And then just find comfortable clothes. Decide that you are going to a lot 20 to 30 minutes to go do this. That does not mean that you need to run for 30 minutes straight. Run when you can, walk when you can. Don't feel bad that you're walking, right? Intervals and repeats are a regular type of running training. For elite athletes, even the best are going to be running and walking. The more you do it, the more acclimated your heart will become, the cardiovascular will improve, and the muscles will get stronger, particularly if you've never run before. And and then you work up to it. 
So maybe you start with two days a week and then you go to three days a week. Maybe you go to four or maybe you don't, right? Maybe you don't. Yeah. Maybe three times a week is plenty for you to go running and you can do other sort of exercises on the other days. Okay. Well, it seems like you're so passionate about it that you just found something that you love. I love it. I've been doing this for a long time now. Um, yeah. I've been through different stages. I've been through pregnancies. I've been through surgeries. I've been through illnesses. I've been through fabulous periods where I've run, you know, multiple marathons in one year and the physical body was able to keep up. And we hope for years like that, for sure. Yeah. But by and large, we have disruptions in our life. We have distractions in our life and we have to learn how to keep going. You don't have to give up on wellness because you had a baby or because you got a new job and suddenly your exercise time was taken away. And you're like, ah, now when am I going to exercise? Guess what? You can find a new time. You can. You can find new ways to find strength within the muscles. and, And it's learning to do that that gives us lifelong wellness. So now it's our turn to try something new or maybe revisit something we used to do. It's never too late. And if you need another pep talk, here's Emily Andrews again. We define wellness here as the active pursuit of our best selves. And it's an ongoing process. We don't achieve it just overnight, right? But we, we're constantly trying to improve ourselves. Spencer W. Kimball said, do it before Nike started theirs, right? <laughs> And now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go lace up my running shoes. Thank you for listening to the Y Magazine podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, please help us spread the word by sharing an episode you love with family and friends. This episode was based on the article, All is Swell, by Miriam Brantley Merrill. It was produced by me, Whitney Archibald, with executive producer Denya Palmer. Mixing and Mastering by Jarrett Davis.